have conversations on anything maritime. We hope to engage you with stories that bring out different perspectives. If you have a story to tell, reach out and we could tell it to the world together. My name is Abhijit Balakrishnan. Today we have with us Nyari Nain. She writes stories, she's an author. She's also a marine engineer. Nyari and I have been chatting about having a conversation for a very long time. She was at sea then, she's at home now, and I'm hoping to chat her up on writing, a book, and life at sea. And yeah, she's also a TEDx speaker, a volleyball player, a national level debater, and as her name goes, exceptional. Welcome on board, Even Keel, Nyari. Thank you, Abhijit, for inviting me on Even Keel. Uh, this is a first-time experience and, of course, overwhelming. Thank you, Nyari. Nyari, we've been trying to have a conversation for a very long time. Now, did your last contract get extended due to COVID? Yeah. Uh, but maybe before that, uh, Nyari, talk us through how you got to where you are now. A little backstory before we actually get into the stories. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, my last contract did get a bit extended because of the whole COVID scenario. and um, But it was perfectly fine for me. I did six months. So that's, that, I mean, I'm, I'm used to doing six months. But yeah, going back to the story of how I started this whole thing, uh, I was preparing for IITJ. And uh, like we are a family of full of engineers, so I also started preparing for JE and I landed up in the extended merit list, wherein I got to know that there is an option of marine engineering in one of those uh, in one of those national level colleges. And uh, uh, so that's how it started. Uh, I mean, I did not even have the uh, brochure with me at that time. So one of my friends, he was he actually. Uh, bought this form for himself and he was not ready to opt for a career out at sea. So I told him that you give this to me. Um, sounds pretty much uh, interesting. And I filled up his form on my name and I got through. Maybe that's how destiny was. So uh, and then I did four years of uh, marine engineering from IMI Noida and got selected in the extended uh, in the Anglo Eastern uh, group. I was also selected in Musk uh, at that time, but then I opted for Anglo because uh, they were ready to send me on board for seventh semester, wherein I completed my junior engineer training. Then, of course, then the whole process continues as it has to, fourth engineer, then third. Now I'm a second engineer. So yeah, the journey has been quite a lot, a roller coaster ride as, uh, as a female uh, in the maritime industry. Thank you, uh, Nyari. And uh, what I'm most curious about is your book. And just to let you in on a secret, well, uh, may not be a secret really, because uh, people around me know that I've always wanted to write. But wanting to write and sitting down to get your you know, 500 odd words on paper every day are two different things. Uh, people who can write have always fascinated me. There are many who want to write, but very few do, and uh, even fewer get published. What is your story? How did you come about writing and publishing? Yeah, I mean, you've truly said that it's completely two different uh, scenarios that happen in a writer's life. 
uh, first to write it and then to get it published. That's a that's that's totally a different uh, experience on its own. Uh, but to begin with, I would say that uh, see why is a person a writer and a the other person is not a writer although we all see stories we all live our lives we uh, we all uh, feel feel the stories going by our sides you know you you must be whenever you would be looking at at a bird chirping or something that does send you a message but for somebody else uh, who writes it out it's it's the, the difference is that that compartment you know that writing compartment in your brain is open all the time and whatever you see around you you tend to express it in your own ways maybe that way could could reflect uh, very nicely to other people as well or it may not but wh- wh- the main hurdle that i feel that why people are not able to write who are willing to write is because they are more focused on uh, on the uh, embellishment you know not uh, they are more worried about the post production which you can say that uh, how to make that like suppose if you write one paragraph the more focus is on how to make it look more beautiful right from the starting not on the content or the plot like uh, every scene should have uh, should have something for the reader to look up to so if you just focus on that and go about it then i think at the end of the day uh, you will you will feel that okay i have come up somewhere and uh, beautifying it is just it's just a it's just a later on process that 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 is a rigorous process you know it it can sometimes be very daunting but the first thing is that you have to write it out that is the most important thing you have to write what you're feeling and you know, sometimes for people it could be like jotting down smaller points and then using it later in the script for some people it's just that they keep it uh, keep keep uh, putting it down in the reservoir of their brains Dif- depends on uh, person to person so for me uh, i would say that uh, the idea of being a writer was always there i used to write speeches articles and uh, you know a lot of times as a debater i have had standing ovations from the audience there were situations in the maritime industry wherein people from the opponent teams would you come to come up to me and ask that uh, nyari for how long will we get to listen to you so that was beyond winning a prize uh, so that instinct was always there but what is it that i should write and that that's something that could connect to people uh, that gave that edge came in my life uh, on that particular ship wherein i wrote when i started anchor my heart yeah for the second part is the, the publishing for publishing you have to understand that the market is loaded with writers and publishers are loaded with content and there's there's n number of uh, you see my book anchor my heart is also at the end of the day a love story but what edge did it have for it to be to come up to a uh, in the market uh, by a renowned publishing house like harper collins was because there was something different in it something unique about it which they had not read which they felt that the uh, the audience would 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 love to read so that is something that you need to also focus while you are writing in my case i would say fortunately because of my profession i had both the things uh, in parallel i had the content i had the edge and uh, so i just wrote it down and sent it to them and i got selected in a week so that's that's how it looks like <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, very interesting, Yari. So what you're saying is you just put your first draft out there. Don't worry about it. You've got time to work on it. And that's a much more difficult uh, part of the whole writing process. And then to get you published, you need to stand out so that, you know, uh, people actually take notice and uh, see what is different in your book. Yeah. So, yeah. So do you have a process, you know, because writers talk about the pain, the pleasure, just getting things out on paper. So what is for you the process? And uh, when you write, uh, are you looking at uh, uncovering something? Or are you looking at, you know, giving structure to many ideas, you know, loosely connected ideas, you know, trying to bring it together? So what goes on through your mind when you're writing? Uh, see, Abhijit, if you see at the technicalities, you, you must be aware of the three-act structure, you know, wherein there's a setup, the beginning, uh, you plot the main characters, the relationships, the world they live in, and then there's a uh, uh, the confrontation part in the mid, the most important. Uh, and then there's a resolution, which is the climax, uh, wherein your character deals with. But if you ask me, you know, I would say that I have really simplified it into a very easier way that I I have a lot of uh, like, suppose if I'm writing a love story. Uh, so for love story, the main thing that I had with me was the uh, the, uh, you know, the force to speak about something. You know, there was there was this this fact that I wanted people to know what it is to be a woman on board. How is the struggle, and then to bring it on a on a on a platform that could be uh, that could be you know conducive and uh, conducive as a reader. So I thought that you know just connect it to a love story, which which connects to a larger mass uh, on a very easier way. So I I uh, if you would ask me, I really didn't work on this three act structure. I just had a lot of instinct and feelings towards um, towards writing what i want to write so that that first propulsion was to just speak it out so that's how i started once you start once you start you know your script starts telling you your script will start talking to you that this is the thing that i want next this is the thing i want next and believe me it works it works when you uh, and you at times you know and when you talk to your script at times it could be a completely crap conversation but then that's how you reread. That's how your second draft, third draft, fourth draft is like, okay, no, this, 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 this chapter, it doesn't look good. This uh, is something that, no, that needs a little bit of more editing. This sentence is way out of the box. That kind of thing happens uh, eventually. But uh, for me, the idea was always to write what it is like being on board as the only woman wherein your boss totally hates you. And you also have a domestic upheaval in parallel going on in the middle of an ocean wherein there's nobody to help you. So that kind of uh, mental, uh, I would say, battle was like, uh, was that something that I just wrote myself out? Okay, so you're an instinctive writer and you really don't have a formal training, so you say, and it just comes out for you. I uh, I just uh, I don't I really don't work on a process that of course I do work on the character because that is the that is the most important thing about any script. Yeah. So again, today morning when I was preparing, you know, 
uh, when I was just sort of going back to your book and looking at certain uh, quotes that I could use during this podcast, I also looked up, uh, you know, top 10 must read maritime novels. Okay. And that was a listicle I came across. And uh, that list did not have my favorite writer, you know, who writes uh, seafaring stories, uh, Joseph Conrad. Yeah. And he's, uh, he has written what I think are among the best uh, seafaring stories. Uh, his youth, in that the story is about someone who goes on his first ship as a second mate. The ship is bound to load coal from the UK and take it to the East Indies. Now, during the first few days itself, you know, there's bad weather. So the voyage gets delayed. And finally, the weather clears up and you begin your voyage and there is a collision. And now you've got to put back to the yard, repair the whole ship. That delays the voyage further. And then finally, they put to sea. Uh, they're carrying coal and the cargo catches fire. And um, they manage to get the attention of another ship and they manage to get towed. And while getting towed, the wind actually blowing across the deck fans the fire. The fire gets bigger. They disconnect the tow. There is an explosion. They abandon the ship. So all this happens. Now, um, that's no. I don't. I don't recall how it ended. But there's a lot more to uncover in a, in Joseph Conrad's stories than just seafaring. But what I'm coming to is, other than showing off that I read uh, Joseph Conrad, that he drew a lot from his own experience. Okay. Uh, how much of your writing is uh, sort of autobiographical? Uh, yeah, a lot of it. <clears throat> you know, a lot of it is autobiographical because, uh, like I said, that I write with instincts. So for instincts, I really have to live those things that I write. Okay, my, my not not 100%, but yeah, a lot of it because some, okay, you know, you could write some things like uh, like you a girl meets a boy and then they fall in love, then they have an intimate scene. Okay, you could write stuff like these because you see them in and out in your daily lives but writing something on board a ship wherein your ship gets grounded and then writing the technicalities out of it you really need to have a hands-on experience sometimes or maybe a detailed research on it so yeah my book is a lot of it is inspired by true stories the fire the grounding a lot of it is true <laughs> okay i already realized that when you spoke about uh, the uh, IIT JEE and you know being in the extended rack list the friend not wanting to uh, apply so I thought there is a lot more another thing that I wanted to ask you is uh, towards the end of your book you sort of thank your friends you know you say and I quote especially the ones in Merchant Navy for making Anchor My Heart the first book they ever read yeah. so what I want to ask you is are we seafarers reluctant readers? That's one. And two, what kind of response have you received from seafarers for your book? Yeah, uh, if you see this line holds good for, I think, 90% of our seafaring friends, which they have all come back to me after reading the acknowledgement section. They said that, yes, this truly holds for me. You know, this is the first book that I'm ever reading, Anchor My Heart. So, yeah, we do are uh, a bunch of very reluctant readers, which is why, you know, you see that we aren't really aware of so many laws that govern our maritime industry also. You ask any seafarer out there. 
when like hardly we just know marpole and and small little stuff but if you ask that uh, for me uh, uh, i think that you know sometimes the journey the journey towards your destiny is you know kind puts you more on that upbeat rather than the destination itself so i feel that okay even if uh, there hasn't been a very um, uh, overwhelming response from the maritime industry but somewhere uh, that uh, that target keeps me on the track that okay uh, if if not this one the second one the third one it will happen so i do live with a lot of positive positivity on that but yeah uh, but still at the end of the day i do expect that people from the maritime industry should should um, uh, open up about uh, like if you see if you google you know even uh, even the books that are related to maritime they are mostly all the foreign authors it, it, it could be patrick o'brien or if you go to the classics arthur conan so all of them are writers who have been who have not who are not indians at the core who are popular so somebody who's doing this from your country india and um uh, trying to bring in bring forth your lifestyle on board and on shore this is a story that i think i mean i think 95% of the seafarers can relate to that how do we struggle on board with our watches four on eight off six on six off and then we also uh, kind of uh, struggle to make our relationships work despite all odds so everything has been portrayed uh, in anchor my heart and also our life uh, our 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 solitary life as sailors so and even if even if even if you are not willing to read something like that uh i don't think the world will really acknowledge us for our hard work because you know the world knows that there are ships running but they don't realize that there are seafarers running those ships when i uh, pitched my uh, material my manuscript to harper collins they were like oh okay for the first time we are getting to know that there are other ships apart from uh, uh, cruisers and passenger ships i was like oh really <laughs> um, so so you can understand that in a company like harper collins which publishes authors like paulo coelho and and so many others you are one you are the one or maybe the only one uh, i'm not sure on this that who's representing your maritime industry so uh, i just expect that everybody joins hands and gives it a loud shout out to my hard work as a as a seafarer and also as an author Uh, definitely nearly i'll spread the word around and i'm sure listeners will pick that book up and read and like you said i think you know uh, most of us we read what we need to know solas marpole and we really don't extend our boundaries so i sort of resonate with that you know when you expect people from the maritime industry to read uh, books written by an indian about our own lifestyle like you said i think that's a fair expectation i think there should be more 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 people who read uh, what you've written yeah, yeah and uh, you see even the language in anchor my heart has been kept very simple and very connecting so just to just to ensure that you know it's not just meant for the for the people in the maritime industry it goes well with the gen, with the common common on a on a common genre so um, that's something that i can expect yeah definitely no uh, how much how much can you tell us about anchor my heart of course without giving any spoilers yeah, yeah uh, see i can uh, i can say that anchor my heart um, 
conjures in itself uh, the story of a of a lady seafarer i shouldn't be mentioning that but that's important uh, because my lead protagonist is is a female seafarer so it's her life she joins uh, a ship after falling in love with a guy who's completely on, on in an opposite profession who fails to understand how it how um, how it could be to be uh, the only one on board and how tough life could be out at sea who, fa- who completely fails to understand and there's this girl a seafarer who goes beyond all boundaries to keep her relationship working apart from all her hurdles as uh, as her boss hates her and there aren't a lot of people who truly understand what she's going through there are so many other adventurous hurdles like there's a fire there's grounding there's a pirate attack so then a lot of uh, drama that leads towards a climax to uh, to where the girl really ends up uh, because in the meantime there is also a school time friend who ends up on the same ship and at the same rank you know she's a third engineer now and he's a second officer so she's completely surprised that oh how come you are here and then there's this conflict in the character herself that okay my love story is concrete but he too loves me now she's completely in that uh, dilemma so a lot of twists and turns leading towards where this girl goes and of course uh, if you read uh, i mean if the people will let the readers yeah, unveil the climax that. unveils in such a way that you would feel that oh i really want to know what happened after that as well so Mm, yes it does yeah. it does leher is this character that uh, is the yeah. lady seafarer no i have quoted a few uh, dialogues maybe from anchor my heart so which i will maybe bring up in this conversation and try and relate it to what it is life on board so um, when leher joins uh, the orchard and uh, you know the book she says and i quote I had my own burden to lug around in a world of testosterone, machinery, sweat, and thinly veiled misogyny. I couldn't let it bother me. I was good at my job, and they wouldn't see it ever. Now, what I am curious about is what burden is it that women carry when they move into a you know within quotation a world of testosterone. uh i think the biggest burden that i was carrying in myself was uh, was this this small sentence like a girl like a woman you know everything that's that's uh, demeaning that's they always try we always try to portray is like why are you crying like a girl are you afraid like a girl so this this small phrase was the burden that i was carrying you know so even if you would say in the in leher's perspective yes uh she too was carrying a burden like that of performing of letting people feel that i'm good at my work i have not just come out of i wasn't just sleeping woke up some day and joined a ship no i am certified for this i have come up with a lot of uh with a lot of dedication and 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 diligence so yeah that is one uh, one baggage that we all women carry so uh, if you would ask me i always try to like even even anchor my heart you know on various levels i have tried to break various stereotypical setups uh, like it, like there's a scene with the chief officer wherein she's opening some m12 bolts and the chief officer comes and tells her that uh, are you okay will you be able to do that and she's like no fine i've got it 
so uh, and it's not just the just the hatred that she uh, that, that the chief engineer has for her or she has for him i have also portrayed that there's another chief engineer who promotes her so i've broken all kinds of uh, you would say the routine uh, uh, perceptions that we have the preoccupied notions that we have i have tried to break a lot of it uh then there is the scene where leher walks into the engine room and she says you know the state or the art machinery space was handled and maintained by only a handful of indefatigable engineers and i was one of them so is there a sense of pride when you feel you are one of them you know, what does it mean to be one of them and who are they yeah um, see this this sentence actually gives a lo- lot of feeling of that sense of pride uh, because you see in the story uh, the, when the story starts she's she's in the conflict of whether to join or not whether should i stay into this seafaring profession she wants to go back to samir you know she wants to live her life with him leave this profession because the one of the biggest problems that we deal with is the distance you know this is the longest distance that you can imagine so uh, she just wants to go back to samir but then when she enters the engine room and that that feeling you know that which she gets that kick she gets when she looks at that massive uh, state of the art uh, machinery she feels that oh this is i mean do i really have to do this this is something where i belong so there is a lot of pride in that sentence in that uh, you know a lot of times when i stand on the platform and i look down i i used to feel the same way that is written in this line yeah of course they means that uh, you know off the ship's complement of 22 i was the only woman so they means of course all the other engineers and and the other com- ship's complement and you are the only one so that that's what it really means yeah you mentioned about a good chief engineer and a bad chief engineer i'm coming to the bad one so uh, leher forgets to call the chief engineer and give him a report and chief engineer expects that uh, but she had just joined she didn't know that so she forgets to call him and then he calls her up and asks her a lot of questions and she feels like you know she's in front of the uh, mmd examination surveyors you know and uh, uh, later he sort of accepts her but she says fine you work hard but don't take advantage of being a girl now do you think such chief engineers or masters or bosses in general are doubly harsh when it is a woman or do men in similar situations face the same wrath you know a, a woman on board uh, like uh, leher says you know a woman on board no she must work harder to prove her worth so is that like what happens yeah see this line is true you know a lot of times you have to work double to prove your worth half and uh, uh yeah like you said that uh, you know such people with so much of negativity and harshness in them uh, they do it's not just about uh, how they behave with women they they are equally equally um, i would say bad with men the other male juniors also suffer the same kind of uh, torture or exploitation at times when people are so uh, narcissistic i would say <laughs> um 
but uh, but because uh, the story is of, is from a lady seafarer's perspective i have put it like that no, but you know when you say when he also goes on to say is right fine work hard but don't take advantage of being a girl yeah is that something that women seafarers get to hear yeah a lot of times a lot of times you won't believe there are times wherein your name goes and then there's this whole discussion on the ship that oh my god a girl is coming and uh, a lot of times it goes like mr narinan so if somebody doesn't understand then fine if the person understands that okay nari is you know now that i'm a little bit popular so people know that who is this mr narinan so then there's a lot of discussion on the ship regarding how the work will be done and especially if the girl is an engineer i mean i can't uh, i can't really frame it in words that the 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 kind of you know they are like ghost stricken or i don't know some storm is going to uh, come on the ship so it it does happen like that and um, and it it has happened with me but but the good part is that at the end of the day i would say that seafarers are acknowledging it they do see it as a problem there are a lot of seafarers who support you and uh, uh, they at least at the end of the day they change their perceptions they accept that they were wrong so for me that is what that matters so there are people who are changing their perception of women being just a uh, within quotation mark consolation prize like leha says <laughs> yeah you see i think that is going to take okay. a lot of time because uh, i i am a third girl in my family so i have i have really felt it in various i mean ways and on various levels that uh, how uh, somebody with a with a boy uh, a son and how somebody with a daughter is treated was treated of course things are changing now but it is still a longer way to go you know we people living in metro cities in delhi bombay bangalore we could we could see that change but there are still the rural areas uh, still struggling on that okay you also spoke about the good chief engineer who you know appreciated leher but he too hesitated to recommend her for promotion for a higher rank so he was a good man but he still had a hesitation so and you spoke about men who were supporting so you know uh, when when we read that good men are also hesitating in in, in recommending a capable uh, seafarer for promotion because she is of a different gender uh, why are again within quotation good men not able to come to terms with a capable woman uh, threat or you know does it have to do with uh, how we have been conditioned as a society uh i think in this pers- uh, in this perspective i think it has a lot to do with the leadership skills of that person you see the other chief engineer uh, the one who promotes leher he didn't think anything beyond her being an engineer so uh, uh, but there is also a mention of a good chief engineer who was hesitant on promoting her all is because it speaks a lot about the person's leadership role you know we feel that okay if we promote this person from say fourth engineer to third engineer then then the later on if something goes wrong a lot of it is going to come back to me uh, am i ready to take that if you would ask me i also had a junior engineer who was who was good for nothing when he joined when he started he was like lost that ha- that happens with most of the juniors 
but it was me it was it was a challenge for me to bring him bring him up to that level so that he becomes a good fourth engineer so uh, it's not it's not just about uh, good men i would say it's about how much how much of the pressure that we can take yeah a leader so then i'm also curious because you know when you read the book you realize lehari is someone who enjoys dancing who enjoys going out to parties but when the third assistant engineer calls her on the first ship for party she doesn't go you know and there are times when she goes out onto the forecastle to enjoy the breeze uh, why is that why why does a lady seafarer find it difficult to socialize on board what makes it hard for them uh, no i see uh, for this i would say that if you would ask my experience i have danced in parties more than boys could you know sometimes but it, it, this scene in anchor my heart is is very specific to that one particular person leher because she is overshadowed by the spell of love and uh, sometimes you know in life we we kind of start appreciating loneliness more than socializing so because she's she's dealing with a lot of stuff inside her so she she prefers going out on the foxel and enjoying the breeze rather than sitting and chatting with with two people who would who would not really understand what all she's going through you know at times you don't really enjoy that kind of conversation which is completely one sided so uh, but yeah uh, there so, have i know a few of my friends who are hesitant on this uh, who say that at times in parties it's difficult to um, socialize with uh, people especially if there's alcohol so i think uh, uh, this is this is just something that we need to bring about uh, bring uh, bring a change into it as a team you know if if we just if we just make it like more congenial for everybody to enjoy a party then i think there won't be a, an issue with that okay so what i'm getting to understand is if there are two women maybe it'll be easier uh yeah you can say that but uh, sometimes if the departments are different like suppose one is an officer deck officer and the other is an engineer officer so then it can kind of it doesn't really work because of the uh, different uh, uh, you know working schedules uh again i'm quoting something from the book uh, nyari so it goes like this from college to ship the tag of only girl had not been as simple as it read many on board that she could be replaced many on board felt that she could be replaced by a guy but not the other way around and also yeah, leher was true. addressed as char sa uh, see now, uh, i find a hint of you no know, patriarchy or maybe chauvinism you know char sa so uh, is that language sexist uh, do you think um, uh, it is important to neutralize uh, the sexist language uh, like you know chair person instead of chair man maybe uh no why i'm coming this because uh, i just coincidentally happened to read a paper uh, someone posted on linkedin uh, why sexist language matters so it's written by a sociologist researcher uh, sheryl kleinman and uh, um it goes like this and i'm quoting her try making up a female based generic such as fresh woman and using it with a group of male students or calling your male boss chairwoman then again don't there could be serious consequences for referring to a man as a woman 
a term that still means lesser in our society if not why do men get so upset at the idea of being called a woman what's the big deal why does all this manning and guising deserve a place on my list of items of gender inequality no so it is like end quote sorry so she says it uh, you know it's all right for you to go to a group of women and say hey guys but shouting hey girls to a group of men uh, won't be as acceptable <laughs> what do you think about this whole uh, sexist uh, language is it required to neutralize it or doesn't really matter yeah. uh that's that's a that's a cool way of uh, you know that that's a beautiful line that you've just read out uh yeah you know just to add to it there's also one more men at work yeah yes. even if uh, uh, or in engine room we say that engine room is manned or unmanned Man. even if i have to say that i say it engine room is manned or unmanned um yeah i think this has got a lot to do with the legacy that we have uh, we have been as uh, you know a part of it uh, but uh, i yes uh, this world would get uh, would would be a more better place to live if we use generic terms like chairperson that does not really reflect a one set of gender and um, uh, i think uh, um, in uh, i mean if you ask maritime industry i think it's loaded with stuff like that uh however however if you if you uh, read the parts of a ship there are so many terms that reflect that connect to a woman's uh, uh parts and uh, you know there are terms that we use breast lines and um, so stuff like that uh, but still at the end of the day it is still a patriarchal setup i am re- i mean i really fail to understand all of that concept um so <laughs> uh yeah i mean uh, but you feel there is scope for making the language gender neutral of course there is the fact that we are talking about it the fact that people are writing it out the fact there are discussions that there are discussions on it, it means that there is a scope for change that change has uh, something that has already started so just that you know it's just a complete cycle you know every every scenario comes back to square one and then again begins in a different way so let's let's hope for that okay uh, you mentioned uh, you're the third girl in your family and uh, leher also says you know that uh, and i quote her parents were seriously about the mess and woes of being a girl's parents yeah. now i am father to two girls so what does this mess and woes of being a girl's parent that uh, leher Uh, refers to what should a girl's parent do or not do um see i would i would i will give you a small example on this i had a chief engineer who appreciated me you know you're a strong woman yeah i appreciate you as an engineer uh, you are intelligent you're strong whatever but he also happened to be a father of two daughters one of the daughters was living in the us alone and she was sharing an apartment one fine day something happened you know the the neighbor the neighbor was uh, was an african guy so some issue happened and he completely lost it you know he was like i don't know how will i be able to manage this situation my daughter is all alone there 
she has a she has a male neighbor in the same apartment and he is talking all of that stuff to me and i told him that uh, sir don't you think it's very easy for you to draw an example from where i stand like how am i managing with you being my neighbor and the second engineer and the fourth engineer on the same floor <laughs> so so yes you know this is there we all feel i think the most uh, most the biggest woe that i would say that uh, most of the parents feel as 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 uh, parents to a daughter is that they feel that you know just let just get her married and then i'm done you know at least i'm off it but does it really work like that what if something happens to her after the marriage is uh, is it, is it is it something that has got nothing to do with the with her the nat, the the biological parents like when i was supposed to join a ship so many of my relatives uh, suggested my mother to get me married and then send me on board why because they thought that once if once i'm married married and then anything goes wrong it's not really a, a bigger issue for them it would be, it would somebody else would be my guardian so this whole thing of of being a woman has always been like like you know you are just a possession you know you are you are here like uh, till you're 25 <laughs> 26 maybe and then you become somebody else's uh, possession later on just the just the shifting you know the transfer of goods from one uh, one flat to the other Correct. are we aren't we really human beings that's how much patriarchy has dipped in right i mean if we begin to speak about it i'm sure we could yeah, keep talking definitely. about it for another hour so yeah what i'm curious about now because you said that um, you're the third girl and you also spoke of your mother uh, no if i may because i feel that you know dinner table conversations or you know all those conversations that had happened at home they're quite formative so i'm just curious uh and i'm fine if you if if you don't want to share we could skip this but what kind of dinner time conversations did you have at home you know and looking back uh, did any of that really shape the person nyari is today see i would say the uh, the most most of the conversations that we ever had was like how good you're supposed to do in your academics i mean irrespective of the fact whether you're a girl you're a boy i think we our parents never told us that the only thing that uh, we i was told was like how much am i supposed to perform in my academics and how well i'm supposed to do something at uh, one day you know it could have been anything a fashion designing course or something but there was always an idea of becoming something there was never an idea of getting married uh, and just just leading your normal life so the dinner dinner table conversations when i was younger i was a teenager were always like this now if you say that now when we sit and talk it's like i am uh, you know i am a, i am a feminist in uh, in all ways so now the conversations that we have is like uh, any any damn thing that reflects patriarchy and and i and i tell my mom ye sirf hamara kaam hai is it that only i am supposed to do this small conversations that matter you know the way you uh, ask your mother you question patriarchy yeah. yeah it really matters and now i have a niece you know a younger girl growing up in my family so she's she's seeing a different picture of how a girl can be in the family and i also have a nephew you know so we we have we are trying to make it completely neutral for both of them to understand how it is to be growing up as a boy and as a girl it's like you're just growing up as individuals and that's it 
Yeah, that's that's that would be very helpful for both of them, I'm yeah. sure. In the beginning, I mentioned about your TEDx talk, and I wanted to bring that up again. It's honestly something that I aspire to. Now, when I think of a TEDx talk, you know, there is a message, something that you need to share. And I always wonder, you know, what is that message that I would share if I ever got an opportunity to speak at a TEDx? In your TEDx talk, you have exhorted people to come out of their cocoons, which now feels okay. But then in order to become a butterfly with scintillating wings, wings, you need to come out of those cocoons. And we all are in some cocoon or the other, you know, feeling comfortable and just being there. And uh, you said, you know, change is an unwelcome start and moving on is an art. I thought that was very profound. And you also linked it to the profession of getting dirty, the grease, the, uh, the fuel oil. So how did you come about your message in the TEDx? How did that happen? Uh, see, again, you know, like my name says, you know, it means different. So I always, somehow I always have ideas that are different. So, uh, ba- so basically, this idea, the theme, the theme for that TEDx event was for was pause for a cause. So uh, we had to speak about something uh, which looks uh, which looks really very relevant to the normal people, and uh, I wanted to club it with my profession. So I came up with something because you know if I always take inspirations from everything that's happening around me. If you remember, there's a line wherein I say in my talk that. Life is like a pair of shoes. The moment uh, the shoe, the legs are off you, dirty socks are shoved in your mouth. So you think I would have come up with this idea by writing or thinking? No, I just came up with this idea while I was wearing my shoes and then again uh, or taking them off the other day. Then I realized, you know, oh, uh, poor shoes. They are always into something. So I always take inspirations okay. with everything that's happening around me. Like, you know, I write my small, small quotations that I have because I have a lot of uh, interviews and a uh, lot of, uh, lot of uh, publishing uh, events and uh, newspaper articles. So I, I keep writing my quotes. So these quotes are something that I gain from the surrounding that I live in. And that is the most important thing of being a writer. Once you close yourself in that cocoon, you're dead. You're finished. Your creativity is dead. You have to come out be with people suppose if i want to write a scene of in a gym i would rather take a gym session for like even a month just to live it if i want to write a scene of a bike ride i would go on a bike ride so i mean as far as possible because otherwise it looks really made up it doesn't look that genuine and real okay and yeah really what i take away from your tedx talk is you know when you said if you get anchored in one water your hull will get fouled and then you need to clean it up to uh, improve your speed and performance. So uh, it's been a wonderful uh, conversation, Yari. Uh, how do you want to close this? Uh, or hang on, uh, before we close this, you mentioned that you have two more books coming out. Uh, maybe you know you could talk about that and then maybe you could close yeah, uh, actually, my second book is a is a nautical fantasy. It's like uh, navigation, olden primitive sailors, their lifestyle. Uh, actually, I have created a new world 
of sailors and then there's magic in it there's a young boy who finds meaning to a lot of things and then propels the story so this is completely different from writing a love story because i don't see myself into one kind of a genre and the third book is going to be anchor my heart sequel so yeah that's how the two books are working and yeah this session has been really good it has been inspiring and i would uh, and i expect that people who listen to it who want to be writers they'll get something out of it i hope so i mean just to just to just to conclude on a note i would say that uh, our problems uh, our problems are not something that uh, our problems are something that tell us what all we can do not what we can not what we can't do so let's just start seeing our problems like that and life will be beautiful thank you neori thank you so much